I don't know about any of um, any of you, but in our house, we kind of go through cycles. And um, maybe you can relate to this in some kind of a way. So we, we start out with tidy rooms. We like tidy rooms, don't we? Uh, we start out and, um, and everything has its place and its home. The books are in the bookcase. Um, the, the surfaces are clear. The cupboard doors not only closed, but if you dare to open them, you'll find that everything inside has its order and its place and you can find what you need. And then little by little, you go out and about and you spot a bargain. Um, and then birthdays come and go. Uh, and slowly, the house starts to fill up with more and more stuff. And the problem is that the bookcases and the cupboards, which were so neat and tidy, were full. And, and so there is nowhere to put this stuff. There is no nowhere place for you to give it a, a home, no place for it to, to really go. And so your rooms, which were once tidy, start to look a little bit more something like this. Now, this is probably the kind of state our house would be in if it was left to me. You know, to be honest, my office isn't too far away from looking something like that now. You know, but the reason I say that we go through cycles is because as stuff slowly builds up, there reaches this inevitable point when Rosie starts to scream. And everything will seem fine in one moment, and I'll be going about my my life, and everything will be fine, there'll be no hint that there's any problem, and then one moment everything's fine, and then suddenly it's not. Suddenly, it's too much. She just can't cope with the clutter and the stuff and the mess and all these things which are everywhere and these things which don't have homes. And in that moment begins what I like to call the purge. (laughs) Rosie begins to hunt for everything that we don't need, for everything that, you know, is is broken, for everything which is, is something that we don't use anymore, and she looks for how we can give it away, or for how we can get rid of it, and how we can try and get back to having these nice, tidy rooms. And sometimes we get there. But more often than not, all that means is that we're back at the start of the cycle. Can anyone relate to that? A few people. You know, here's the thing. Do you know, it can be so easy to live life in a way where we're constantly gathering things to us. You know, we're on the lookout for the next cool gadget or for the next pair of shoes. The, the next thing that we think we'd like. At the back of our minds, we kind of live life with this constant question, what do I want? And then when we get it, now what do I want? And, and sometimes it's not even really just even about stuff. Sometimes this kind of, uh, of focus on our wants and, and our needs, on these things that we can get or we can receive, we can gain, we can you know, even spill over. So it's what can we gain out of our time? What can we gain out of our relationships with people? And even what can we gain out of our relationship with God? And how can we be blessed? How can we receive? How can we have All of the good things that God talks about. And and these are good things. And they're they're blessings. They're things that God wants us to have. And he wants to to give to us. But as as we constantly gather things to ourselves. 
As these blessings flow into our, our lives, what can happen is what happens with our houses. One moment everything is good and you're going about and it all seems fine and you're feeling blessed with all that you've got. And the next, it starts to sour. As you've gathered and you've gathered and you've gathered, but you look around at all the different stuff in your life, all the good things that you have, all of the the blessings which are there and your your family and your, your job and your finance, all these different good things, but in some way or another... It's not satisfying. In some way or another, despite all of this good stuff, there's a frustration and an emptiness, almost a stagnation. And you reach a point where you need an outlet to give away. That outlet so that not only do blessings flow in, but they flow out. You know, and we've been taking some time recently um, over the, the last few weeks to look at a vision which God gave to a prophet called Ezekiel in this series, Flow. And you can read about the, the, the whole kind of vision in Ezekiel chapter 47. We're not going to go there too much uh, today. But you see, in this part of this vision, God shows Ezekiel the Dead Sea. And, and the Dead Sea is the, the lowest point on the earth. And a number of rivers flow into it. But there are no rivers that flow out from it. And so, so what happens is that everything that flows in simply stays there forever. All of the salt and the minerals and the toxins that, that the rivers kind of flow, carry and flow in with, as the water evaporates, they are just left behind. And so, so the Dead Sea is nine times saltier than any other sea that in the world. And as you can see, it's called the Dead Sea for a reason. Nothing can live there. There's no fish, there's no trees on the shore, there's no vegetation around it. It's just dead. And the reason that it's dead is because even though there is life-giving water which flows into it, there is no means for the life-giving water to flow out from it. And in the vision, as we read about the river of God, we we discover that this life-giving water, this river of of, of the Holy Spirit, enters the Dead Sea and it changes everything. The salty water that was there becomes fresh and swarms of of living fish come and, and make their home there. Because where the river flows, everything will live. But the vision doesn't stop at the Dead Sea. It goes on and suddenly Ezekiel sees fishermen on both sides of the river. And he sees trees sprouting up along the banks. And the leaves of these trees will serve for healing. And the fruit of the trees will serve for food. And this vision describes something of the heart of God to reach out to this world. And to flow into us. To flow into to you and to me. In order to bring transformation. In order to bring life. In order to bring hope. And so however empty or dead we might feel. As we look to God we can have hope. Because where the river flows. Everything will live. Where the Holy Spirit flows, everything will live. But you know, I don't get any kind of impression when I look through this this vision which God gives to Ezekiel that when the water flows into the Dead Sea, it stays there. 
and forms some kind of lake. The impression I get is that it miraculously bursts the banks of the Dead Sea. And even though it's the lowest place on earth, suddenly there's a river going uphill. It makes an outlet where there could never have been an outlet. And so not only does the river of God flow in, but it flows out and it forms a new river and it continues to bring life. And as it brings life and trees sprout up, not only do the trees flourish and have life for themselves, but they give out life because their fruit serves for food and their leaves serve for healing. And so there is this constant sense as you look through this vision that God's given to Ezekiel of the flow of the life of God, the flow of the Holy Spirit, out from the presence of God, from the temple, in an ever-increasing way to bring life. And you see, God did not design you to be a lake. didn't design you to be a lake like the Dead Sea. He did not design you to simply consume and to receive. Because when that's all we do, what happens is the great, the the, the lake might grow bigger. We might get more blessings. We might receive more stuff. But at some point it will grow stagnant. And it will spoil. God did not design you and he did not design us together as, as this church To be a lake where we simply look for what it is that we can get, what it is we can gain, what it is we can receive, how much it is we can have. He designed us to be a life-giving river. He designed us to be flourishing trees where we, we don't only know life for ourselves, but from us we give life as our fruit serves for food and our leaves serve for healing. Design us not just to be filled with the Spirit, but know something of His work in our lives, but that through us, the life of God might impact others. Now, God's heart is that the Holy Spirit would flow into you, and into your life, and it would work in your life. It would bring transformation to you, and hope to you, and healing to you, and restore you. But actually, that's only the beginning of what God wants to do. Actually, do you know what? God's got a bigger purpose for you than that. God's purpose for us is that we would not just be a lake, but that we'd be a river. And that birthed within us would be this river of life that would flow out from us. As an outlet of the Holy Spirit, as an outlet of the life of God to impact others. And you know what, this is what I start to get excited about. This is what, what means that my life counts for something more than just me and myself and my happiness and my comfort. This is what means that I, I, I'm not just about gathering and, and gaining and getting and receiving and enjoying and experiencing some kind of, of, of things in life. than this great big lake which just kind of sucks life into it. This is what means that I have a a reason to be excited when I get up in the morning. Knowing that God has a purpose for me that is bigger than myself. Knowing that God not only wants to, to work in my life, to flow into me and to give to me and to bless me so that I can receive good things from him, but he wants to flow out from me.
And you know, as you look to, to follow Jesus, as you welcome the Holy Spirit into your life to, to bring you hope and healing and love and transform you, you know, I want you to know that God has an amazing purpose for you. And the starting point, the starting point is that we receive from God. We receive the flow of the Holy Spirit into us. That we might know the Spirit as our helper and as our strengthener and as one who makes his home inside of us. But that's all it is. It's just the starting point. God has so much more for you than that. And as we experience the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it is out of the overflow of that that we are able to give our lives to a purpose that is bigger than ourselves. To allow the life of God to flow out from us as we look to serve and to be a blessing to others. And so we're going to look at some verses in 1 Peter chapter 4 that talk about what this looks like. And, and at the beginning of the chapter, Peter is talking about how, uh, how followers of Jesus first received from God. And, and are slowly transformed to become more and more like Jesus. And then he says this in 1 Peter 4 verse 2. He says, as a result, as a result of the inflow of the Spirit's work in your life. They do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires. That is, they don't live just to gain and get and receive, but rather for the will of God, for a purpose bigger than themselves. And this is the the first point that I want to make this morning. You see, when we give our lives to follow Jesus, we are saved by God for a purpose. We are saved by God for service. And this isn't about what we're, what we're obligated to do. This is an amazing privilege. You know, as we, as we welcome the Holy Spirit into our lives to a greater and greater extent, he will stir new desires in us. That instead of grumbling and groaning about what we have to do, we will discover a passion that's worth living for. And we will want to have a desire to serve God. The overflow of the work of the Spirit in our lives is a heart that looks beyond ourselves. and is a heart that looks to serve. And as we serve, the most amazing thing happens. Because as we serve, we get to partner with God. We get to partner in his work on this earth. We get to to partner with the the move of the Holy Spirit as he flows from within us to impact the lives of others. We get to give our lives for something that doesn't just count for now, but that counts for eternity. To see God's kingdom, to see lives transformed, to see people healed and hope restored. So number one, we are saved by God for service. Number two, not only are we saved by God for service, but we've been given gifts by God for service. This is what Peter writes later in verse 10. He says, God has given gifts to each of you. That's to every single one of you. From his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well. And I love this phrase, manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. You know, there is a There's a general call on each and every one of us to to live life 
our lives in a way that we allow the love of God and the life of God to flow through us for us to be a blessing to people. As a general call that doesn't require any special gifts, it doesn't require any great words of revelation or anything else, where we are simply called to look for opportunities to be a blessing. To look for opportunities to serve and for the generosity of God to flow through us. But you know, as, as well as that general call, Peter writes about how Actually, even more than just this general call to be a blessing and to serve others, God has given every single one of us gifts, specific gifts, from his great variety of spiritual gifts, to equip us and to empower us and to enable us to be a blessing in specific ways. For the generosity of God, for the Holy Spirit to flow through us in specific ways. And, you know, there's a great variety to these gifts. There's, uh, the Bible talks about us being like a body, how, how some of us are, are, are like a, an ear or an eye or a hand or a foot. There's, there's, we're all different, we're all uniquely made, we're all uh, uniquely fashioned by God, fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Different from one another on purpose, in a whole variety of, of ways. And so, the great thing that I love in this is that God doesn't just tell us we've got to serve. He doesn't just call us to serve. He doesn't just motivate us and put a desire and a passion within us to serve. Through the Holy Spirit, he equips us and gifts us and gives us the tools to serve. And I know the Bible talks about the great variety of the, the spiritual gifts that God gives, and it gives us examples of, of some of them. And we've not got time to go through them all this morning, but I'm going to put up here, and you can see on here, I've tried to group them in, in ways which might be a little bit helpful for you. So on, on the left-hand side are spiritual gifts, which I want to call gifts of ministry. These are specific roles that the Spirit gifts us to fulfill. Either roles in building and instructing followers of Jesus, or roles in supporting and enabling the mission of Jesus. And then on the right hand side, what we find are the gifts which are the tools of ministry. The tools which God gives to equip us and enable us to carry out the role of ministry. And and, you know, these are all great and valuable and precious and needed gifts to see in in the work of the church. As the life of God and the love of God flows out through us to transform lives. And sometimes we can get caught up in, in this kind of sense that we need to try and discover and label the specific spiritual gifts that God has given us. Before we think we can actually do anything, before we can begin to serve, before we can step out. But you know, I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to do that. The purpose of the spiritual gift, as we read it in Peter, is so that the generosity of God might flow through us. It's so that we might look beyond ourselves to care for and encourage and build up and help and serve others. And so as we look around and we see someone who is in need, or we see uh, uh, someone who is struggling, or we see a specific need within the church... The question that we should always be asking, 
regardless of whatever spiritual gifts we might think we have, the question that we should always be asking is, how can the generosity of God flow through me to meet that need? To help that person. To help in that situation or to help in that ministry. And then do or say whatever seems most helpful. And you know, as you do that, if the person is helped, if the need is met, in some way, if you've helped them, or you've encouraged them, or you've given them wisdom, or you've shown them mercy, then do you know what? You've probably just taken the first step in discovering one of your gifts. Because they're all up there. You know, we discover our gifts not by sitting around and waiting for some great revelation, but by allowing the Holy Spirit to stir our hearts to look beyond ourselves, to catch something of the heart of God, to look beyond ourselves and to allow the generosity of God to flow through us. And it's as we take action, as we do that, that we will discover the specific gifts that God has given us to serve others. You know, and there's some great gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give. I, I, I love the, uh, the ministry of helps. Now, how do you know if you've got the ministry of helps, whether you a help or a hindrance? You know what, we need the ministry of helps, and we are so blessed by people who have the ministry of helps in this church. You know, there are people in this room who are serving and giving week in and week out in the ministry of helps. And you know, we need far more people who are active in the ministry of helps than we do in as a ministry of an apostle or a prophet or a pastor or a teacher. Any kind of leadership gift. Because you know, without the ministry of helps, we'll never get anything done. And the reason that we're able to, to do so much as a church, the reason that God has been able to work so much through us as a church, is because we have so many people with a ministry of helps. And Peter says that there is this incredible variety of gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give. And each and every one of them is precious and valuable and needed. So we're all different, but we're all different on purpose. And the worst thing that you can do is start to to compare yourself to other people and think, I wish I had what they had. I wish God had gifted me in the way that he's gifted them. Because God made you and designed you and gifted you on purpose. And God needs you, not to be them, but to be you. And this church needs you to be you. The other thing that can happen is, not that we we wish we were like other people, but we wish they were like us. And so we get frustrated. We get frustrated because other people don't seem to be like us. They don't seem to value what we value, or want what we want, or work in the way that we work. And so you end up with the creative people getting frustrated with the systems people, and, and why is it that they can't be more spontaneous? Or you end up with the organized people getting frustrated with the creative people, saying, why do they have to be so scatty? It's true. But you know, we need to learn to appreciate every single person and the differences and what it is that they bring. 
Because it is valuable and it is precious and it is needed if we're going to be effective for God's kingdom. There is a place in God's church for everybody. And for the unique gifts that he has given them. And each person in their gifting is valuable. And so not only has God saved you for service, but he has gifted you for service. And you have a role to play that no one else can play. You have a purpose to fulfill that no one else can fill. The third point then that I want to make is that you have been anointed by God for service. You know, the great thing is that the Holy Spirit doesn't just call us to serve. He doesn't just gift us to serve. And then say, right, now I want you just to get on with it. Now he says, I've called you and I've gifted you and I've given you the tools. But you know what? Now I'm going to be with you in every moment to help you, to strengthen you, to guide you, to lead you. So that you can grow and learn how to use those gifts. And you can use them under my anointing and with my empowering and with my help in everything that you do. As you learn to function more and more in the area that God has called you to. So you learn to function more and more in the gifts that God has given you. You will find God's power and God's strength enabling you and helping you to do things and to accomplish things that you could never do on your own. That's why Peter writes in verse 11. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And he's not really just meaning here. It's easy to read that and think, well, he's just saying, well, we've got to be careful about what we say. That's a given. We all need to be careful about what we say. But what he means here is that if you've been given the spiritual gift of speaking in some kind of way, if your spiritual gift involves speaks, then you need to know that the Holy Spirit will be there to give you the words to say. And you are speaking as God. And then he goes on, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. You know, the amazing thing is that God doesn't just call you and gift you and leave you to get on with it. When you look to to live your life with the Holy Spirit, when you look to live your life and allow the Spirit to work in you in every moment, He anoints you and empowers you and enables you to do what God has called you to do and accomplish what you could never accomplish on your own. You know, and I know that, and many of you know, that serving God can be hard at times. You know, we all face days when we feel like we've been wiped out and we just have nothing left to give. And you know, and time management and life balance are important questions to ask in those moments and to to think about. But you know, there are also times when we simply need to be reminded and to remember that we weren't made to be doers who go it alone. And instead we need to look to God and to take time to draw on the supernatural strength and resources of the Holy Spirit. To allow him to minister to you and encourage you and build you up and comfort you and put his arms around you And strengthen you. So that you can keep going. 
You know, when God calls you and gifts you to serve, it is not about doing things in the flesh or in our own strength. It's about serving in the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit. The supernatural strength that God provides. So the third point is that God anoints you for service. Don't ever try and serve him without that. The next one then is that I think we can take from these verses by Peter, it's a little bit more sobering, but it's that we'll be held accountable by God for service. You know, if we go back to to verse 10, which we read earlier, Peter called on us to manage well the gifts of God. The gifts that God has given us. To be faithful stewards and to, to use them well. You know, in the 1800s, most of you will know that I, um, I used to be a musician and spend my time. I never played the violin, um, but, um, but there was a violinist in the 1800s called Paganini. And uh, Paganini was a phenomenal violinist, but when he died, he willed his violin to the city of Genoa. But when he willed it to the city of Genoa, he put a condition in his will that they could have his violin, but it must never be played again. And the thing is that the wood of an instrument like a, a, a violin... It, it can actually, we, there are violins which are hundreds of years old, which are still being used by great performers. They can last for a long time when they're being handled and they're used. They only wear very slightly. But when they're set aside, they begin to decay. So Paganini's lovely violin, which used to be performed on in front of thousands, has today become worm-eaten and useless. Because it wasn't used. And you know, God did not give you or me gifts just so that we could feel good about ourselves and pat ourselves on the back, just so that we can benefit from them ourselves. He commands us to manage them well. To use them well. And the, the picture here is, 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 is of being a steward like we are with, with money. The idea is, the picture is of, of God giving gifts to us. And saying, now go and invest them. Use them well to make a difference with what it is that I've given you. So God gives out to us. He invests in us in order that we might use what he has given us to invest in others. Are you using what God has given you? Are you being a good steward? Don't set aside your gifts so they become like an old violin which just rots and decays. Use what God has given you. And you know, this flies right in the face of the mentality that we have that we were talking about at the beginning where we just try and gather stuff and and look to, to get things and to gain and to receive and to consume. You know, God wants to bless you. His heart is to, to bless you. He wants to give you life. He wants to, to fill you with his spirit. But he also has a purpose for you which is bigger than yourself. And you know, it grieves him. It grieves him when we make it all about ourselves. And not only does it grieve him, but you know, I think it limits the work of God that he is able to do in your life.
is waiting for there to be an outlet for the river. For the life of God to not just flow into us, but to flow out from us. For us to start looking beyond ourselves. And as we, as we do that, he pours more and more and more of his life into us. God will never let us run dry. We can never outgive God. As we give out, we are managing well, as Peter puts it, God's great generosity. As he flows into us. And then out through us to impact others. So if you want to know a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit, and people often talk about, I want to know more of God's power and more of his anointing and more of his work in my life. If you want to know a greater anointing of the Spirit, then start using what he's given you. And looking for more and more opportunities, both inside and outside of the church, to use what God has given you. To serve others. Because we'll be held accountable by God for our service. Last point then that Peter makes is is that we will be eternally rewarded by God for our service. And this comes at the beginning of the next chapter in 1 Peter 5 verse 4 where he writes, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. You know, we are blessed because there is a joy and a satisfaction and a reward in this life that we get to have for serving God. As we see lives transformed, as we see people come to know him, as we experience just that sense of fulfillment of our life mattering for something and counting for something and discovering who we are and what it is that God has made us to do, we get to experience life in its full here and now and have that kind of a reward here and now for serving God. But do you know, there is an even more amazing reward that's coming. We will be eternally rewarded. And, and sometimes we can get worn down and we can feel like our constant serving and our giving of ourselves is, is just this thankless task and we wonder why we keep going. And we need to be reminded that, that God sees everything that we do. As we serve in our families, try to be the best mums and dads and sons and daughters that we can be. As we serve in the church, as we serve in our workplaces. As we give out and we serve and we look beyond ourselves in whatever environment it is. Especially when there is a cost to us for doing it. It delights God's heart. He sees what you do and it delights his heart. And there will be a reward for you in heaven. We will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. When we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives, and he begins to shape us and help us to become more and more like Jesus, he also begins to give us an eternal perspective So as we approach life, it's not just about the here and now, but we have an understanding that what we do in the now counts for eternity. 
And when the chief shepherd appears, when Jesus appears, he is going to say, thank you. Thank you for giving your time and your resources and your life to care for my people. Thank you for laying down your life to care for my sheep just as I did. And so there is an eternal reward, there is an eternal thank you that we can look forward to. But do you know what? I also want to say thank you. Thank you for every single person who gives in any kind of a way their life to care for and serve the people of God in this church. Whether you've got an official role or a title or not. And I know that serving can get tiring sometimes. And I know there are some of you who who you'll come home from long days at work and you're tired. And really the last thing that you want to do in that moment is after to wolf down some food and turn around and get out for a meeting or to lead a growth group or to come to worship practice. Or you'll get home and you've been working all week and the last thing you want is to wake up the next day knowing that you're going to come out and to to serve at a collection for the food bank or that you're going to give your day off to to a food bank in the week or you're going to come along on a Sunday morning and, and you're going to have to be giving out again. You know, there are so many different ways that so many of you serve. And I want to say thank you. But I want to encourage you even more than saying thank you. I want to encourage you and to remind you that God delights in what it is that you do. And there is an eternal reward that is coming. We couldn't do what we do as a church without you. But more important than any thanks that I can give, more important than anything that I can say, is for you to remember why we do what we do. To get our eyes back on and to remember that God is not only the one who calls us and gifts us and anoints us and gives us a purpose and holds us to account for what we do, but he is the one who delights in us as we serve him. He is the one who says thank you. He is the one who has an eternal reward for us. And so for those of you who are serving God week in and week out in the church and outside of the church, and you know your reward is going to be great. And if you're here today and you're flagging and you're finding things difficult and you feel like there's nothing more that you can give, Let me encourage you to seize this morning as a morning to to come to God and to take hold of the strength that he provides. To draw on the strength of the Holy Spirit. To come and receive prayer and allow God to come and refresh you and pour into you so that there's more of the life of God in you that can flow out from you to others. And to commit yourself every day to say, God, I want to learn to draw on you day by day. I want to learn to to live my life, not just for you, but in your strength and in your power and with your help. So that it would be you who is flowing out from me as I look to serve and I look to give. And if you're here and you're not really sure what serving might look like for you, if you're not sure what you could do, then let me tell you there are a whole host of opportunities for you within this church. 
This isn't about filling rotors. It's about an opportunity to get involved with the purposes of God to see his love transform lives as we follow him. To invest your life and to use the gifts that God has has given you for a purpose that counts for eternity. And you don't need to know exactly what your gifting is. You don't need to know exactly what your, your role is. You simply need to know what the needs are. And then come to God and say, God, how, how can I allow, allow your generosity to flow through me to meet that need? And there are opportunities to get involved during the week. There are opportunities to get involved at a weekend. There are opportunities to get involved in an evening. There are opportunities to get involved with encouraging and building up our children who are, who are downstairs right now. To welcome people as they enter in or to make them a tea and a coffee and to show them something of God's love in that. And these are opportunities not to fill a slot in a rotor, not to do something because we have to do it. These are opportunities for you to manage well the gifts that God has given you, to allow his generosity to flow through you as you look to serve others. And so I want to leave you with a question this morning, and it's a a challenging question, but it's an important one as we look to allow God to shape us and to put into practice the things that we're talking about. And just to be honest with yourself and to be honest with God, you know, in light of, of what we've been talking about this morning, in light of everything that we've been saying, do you feel that you are managing well? The gifts that God has given you. So that the generosity of God can flow out through you. And it might be that you can look at that and you can come before God and you can say with integrity, yes, I'm doing everything that I possibly can. And that's fantastic. And my encouragement to you then is simply keep going and don't try and do it on your own. And if you're starting to flag, remember where your strength comes from. Take time to draw on the resources of the Holy Spirit and to allow his strength to provide for you. Remember where your reward is and why you do what you do. But it might be that in light of your answer to that question that you want to make some changes. To maybe get involved with a ministry or to become more involved with a ministry. To increase what you're doing. Or it might be that, that life is so crowded that you don't even know how you can begin to do that. And so you're busy with the wrong things and what you need, the changes you need to make are to stop doing some things that you shouldn't be doing. In order to make time and space for you to do the things which God is calling you to be doing and gifted you to be doing. You know, whatever it is, let me just encourage you that this is an opportunity for you to be honest with God, to be honest with yourself and to make changes in your life so that you can have the amazing experience of partnering with the Holy Spirit.